0: Welcome to Day Unplugged. It is Tuesday, December 12th, 2017. With me today are Jeremy Hawkins in London and Mark Pender in the U.S. I am Ann Picker, Day's Chief Economist. Mark, let's start with you because undoubtedly of the four central bank meetings this week, all important, the Fed probably stands head and shoulders above it.
1: Yes, well, we are expecting a rate hike tomorrow, uh, based entirely on the level of employment uh, in the US economy, which is unusually strong. We had uh, Last week we had the employment report where we had a 228,000 rise in non-farm payrolls, and that's a very large number, uh, and uh, that is uh, kind of coming out of those hurricane effects, so we're back on track. But it's soaking up available labor and uh, the employment rates very, uh, unemployment rates very low at 4.1%. So that is the real uh, crux of the issue is uh, spare capacity right now uh, for labor. And without that, we'll, uh, uh, we're looking at, uh, uh, I guess an inflationary by theory, an inflationary fa- uh, flashpoint. Um, So really, the Fed really has no uh, alternative but to begin raising rates, which is interesting, of course, because it's working at cross-purposes right now with the administration, or at least with the government, which uh, appears, perhaps, that we're going to get a tax cut, which will be a a stimulus at the same time that the Federal Reserve is withdrawing stimulus. So that's an interesting uh, separation right now as far as policy goes. uh, Yesterday, that was uh, Monday, December 11th, We had the JOLTS report uh, and job openings in that report continue to lead uh, hiring by a significant degree and uh, are, again, uh, strong evidence. And the Fed looks closely at the JOLTS report, uh, very, very strong evidence of the risk of overheating, which I may Also, uh, I'd like to point out is what the Federal Reserve's Beige Book has been pointing out the last uh, couple of uh, reports, uh, that business expansion is being limited by the unavailability of labor. And we're also seeing that in some of the regional surveys, such as the Philadelphia Fed, where um, employment uh, just can't... uh, it just can't keep up. They just can't find the people. So that's going to raise demand for immigrants, that's going to uh, uh, raise demand for higher wages, and um, it's going to try to draw in whatever discouraged work uh, discouraged workers uh, remain from uh, from the last uh, financial crisis.
2: Mark, what happened into the um sort of the earnings wages side of the last employment report? Did that accelerate as well?
1: No, uh, it uh, did not. Uh, it uh, it did a little bit. We had a 0.2% rise on a monthly basis, which isn't really all that hot at all, actually. That's very modest, moderate. The uh, year-on-year rate did climb slightly, but it's kind of uh, very, very flat at 2.5%. But we had seen uh, some uh, significant gains back in um, July and back in September, but it really hasn't kept pace. But... Uh, Today, uh, which is Tuesday, we had the producer price report, and uh, although wages aren't tracked in there, there are definitely signs of of, of, um, percolating pressure at, at the wholesale level. Of inflation. It's nothing alarming, but it, uh, it is definitely tangible. And uh, what we'll see tomorrow with the consumer price report, the kind uh, of the expectations aren't really looking for too much for the core only another 0.2% monthly gain. Um, but there is an outside chance that that could Come up a little bit, and if it does that will all play into what the you know what the, the Fed has to guard against it really has no alternative it has to uh, begin withdrawing stimulus because of the lack of capacity and the risk of um, and the risk of inflation so even though we haven't really seen it yet um, it, it, with, with the, uh, the with the inability to find workers you know you have to slow things down Mark. Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, Tomorrow is Janet Yellen's last press conference. Mm -hmm. It's also the quarterly uh, Fed uh, forecast for growth Uh and the like. Uh Um, People are sort of... Split as to whether anything worthwhile, in terms of policy going ahead, will come out of the press conference because it's Janet's last one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Powell is on the board, so mm-hmm. I I can't help but feel that there might be something important there because he will have his input into the whatever is said at that report at that press conference.
1: Well, it will be interesting to, to see uh, Yellen's final um, uh, final conference. And uh, though Yellen is a Democrat and Powell is a Republican, um, this Federal Reserve doesn't look to be too politically swayed. Maybe It may be swayed. If it's swayed at all, it, it would be swayed, I think, in regulation and the administration's desire to ease um uh, rules on banking, but as far as monetary policy goes, I don't think Powell has shown any any, any inclination or any uh, separation at all from, even though he's a Republican, uh, from Janet Yellen. So I presume, and I think we should expect uh, a steady uh, uh, extension of. Uh, uh, modest rate increases uh, perhaps in, in the range of three uh, penciled in for uh, next year and it's also interesting we're going to get the quarterly FOMC uh, economic forecasts and whether or not even though th- this tax stimulus program hasn't been passed and if there's no guarantee that it will, it, it probably will be or, or, some, or something will be. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if those aren't nudged up a bit GDP uh, for instance on those forecasts. So there will be Plenty of uh, interesting things to see, but I think as far as what the Fed wants, they want um, steady as she goes, uh, no surprises, uh, continuing withdrawal of stimulus, both for rates and, of course, they're unwinding their balance sheet at the same time.
0: Thanks, Mark. Jeremy, you have a big Thursday. Three of the four central banks' announcements occur on your turf Thursday.
2: Yep. Super Thursday over here. Well, that's probably sort of stressing it a little bit too much since it's likely to be something of a damp squib, I suspect, as far as financial markets concerned. Just mentioned, mention, we've got the European Central Bank, Bank of England and the Swiss National Bank all be announcing their policy updates. Um, but in practice, it's unlikely we'll really see anything. Um, the Bank of England, the ECB, have either announced or indeed initiated their policy changes in the last couple of months. And the Swiss National Bank, even if they wanted to tighten policy, which I'm quite sure at this stage they don't, would be loath to do so at this stage simply because they'd be worried about the impact on the Swiss franc. So what to look out for amongst the list lot? Because clearly there's still some potential that we could get something said at these meetings which cause asset prices to move. For the ECB, well, there are going to be a lot of smiley faces around the council table. I think, in respect of what's been a surprisingly strong economic recovery so far this year. But, of course, we've still got this frustratingly low underlying inflation profile. And that's probably going to mean another relatively dovish statement from Draghi, in part, no doubt, aimed at stopping additional euro appreciation. So really expect uh, no change in the quantitative uh, easing programme, which they updated just a couple of months ago. Um, Certainly no change in interest rates through at least September 2018 in the eurozone, area. And indeed, I expect the, the forward guidance to remain exactly the same as well. The thing to watch then will probably be the new economic forecasts. Um, so the Fed will be updating theirs this week. The ECB will be updating their projections on Thursday as well. Chances are we'll see a more robust uh, real GDP projection. But the key in many ways to market reaction, I think, will be what they do with inflation. Were they to raise the inflation profile? And to be honest, there's no real reason why they should, at least to any significant extent. That's going to have those members of the council who really wanted to see uh, a definitive closing date for the quantitative easing programme next year. They didn't get it, of course, but that's that's what they wanted. If they were to see the inflation projections being raised, then they're going to start becoming more vocal about having some kind of definitive end um, once we get into 2018 for the quantitative easing programme. Bank of England, well, say they've just hiked interest rates in November. So to all intents and purposes, that's that's a done deal. We certainly won't see anything coming out of them as far as Thursday is concerned. And indeed, given the ongoing uncertainty about Brexit, notwithstanding the supposed breakthrough negotiations last week, chances are UK interest rates could also be on hold for some considerable time too. Um, The other one of interest would be the Swiss National Bank. Now, they've been running with a a strongly negative um, central interest rate of, what, minus 0.75% since back in January 2015 when they pulled the plug on uh, their FX targeting. They used to have a floor of 120 Swiss francs uh, versus the euro. Um, but over the course of what the last six months or so we've seen the real economy starting to improve and inflation as of November although it was only 0.8% that moved up to a six year high so certainly in terms of the overall economic conditions in Switzerland they are looking more favourable however the key to this is to understand where the improvement's coming from and so if you look at the breakdown of the latest inflation figures okay so headline inflation on the CPI is running at 0.8% but but within that domestic inflation is just zero point three, and the only reason we're up to two point sorry up to zero point eight on the headline figure, is because infor- imported inflation uh, moved up to two point two percent now that the weaker Swiss franc has helped export so it's boosted inflation so really you know the progress the SMB seen since its last meeting has been largely due to exchange rate weakness so the last thing they can afford to do on Thursday is to come out and do anything which would cause investors to regard the Swiss franc more attractively they really want to see the Swiss franc continuing to weaken and to be fair to them they've actually made a pretty good job of that so far uh, the Swiss has lost about seven percent against the euro since um, since the middle of this year um, if they can continue to see that we'll see it back above this 120 euro swiss target base they used to have a few years ago and that's going to be a real result for them so i think as far as they're concerned no change in policy and very much another you know reaffirmation of their commitment to intervene to prevent additional swiss franc appreciation if needs be
1: jeremy um yep. i have a question on those uh, uh inflation rates were those uh, uh, annual rates
2: no oh, that's point what, for, for switzerland yeah 0.8% uh, so year on year. So that's, yeah, so that's very, very low. It is. I mean, for a long time, Swiss inflation was negative, And it's only been this year when it's finally dragged itself back into positive territory. Um, and that's largely been due to you know, the, well, the relative rally we've had in the oil market. So domestic inflation in Switzerland, to all intents and purpose, really, is still zero. And that's why, look- they're, that's why they're very keen to see the Swiss franc continue to weaken. Do you
1: think uh, asset prices are going to play in any of these um, uh, banking issues? And here we're talking about stock market. We're also talking about Bitcoin. We're also talking indirectly about these enormous confidence readings, both here and in Europe. Um, how does that, How is that going to play? Is this a topic that's going to, to, to come up? And uh, what do you think?
2: I think well I think as we've talked before on you know, on the podcast about you know the danger of asset price bubbles particularly your side but also in Europe as well I don't think over here perhaps you know the movement's been as strong so perhaps the worries aren't as great and you're not going to see central banks starting making noise about worries about stock markets doing too well because you know for a lot of Europe recovery has been a very long time in coming they really don't want to rock the boat nonetheless I think as things currently go they're hoping that you know the improvement we've seen in Wealth for most household sectors across the major European countries is going to translate into higher consumer spending. And that's what they need because, you know, although that, there hasn't been a massive impetus from what's been happening stateside to bolster the Eurozone economy, it has been important. And it's certainly been, uh, you know, the rallying asset prices on your side of the pond which has triggered the up move we've had in Europe. So I think they'll be looking for what we've had so far just to help to cement what has been you know, a relatively decent improvement in the economic state this year
1: and how is available labor right now in europe
2: well of course we're still running well Eurozone's running with an employment rate which is only just shy of nine percent so it's come down quite a long way over the course of the last several years but it's still historically speaking high so it's not the same kind of pressure on capacity that you have your side and again that's very much reflected in yes you know, say eurozone wage growth is which is what running about one and a half percent year on year at the moment
0: thanks guys until next week